You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Break Forth. Enjoy. God, you're so good. We're going to get into the Word. You ready to get into the Word? Jesus is the Word, isn't he? Right? We don't study a religious book. God's not a book. Isn't that amazing? The Bible is the written Word of God, and we are grateful for it. I wouldn't want to live without it. But God's alive, right? He's not ink and paper. He's a living God. He's a, he's a being. He, is a, he's a, he has a, a heart. He has a will. He has a desire. He has a life in him. And he wants to uh, have a relationship with you. And that's the biggest difference, I think, guys, uh, Alicia and Adrian, f- between uh, what we're all about and maybe some other places that you may have been. At Highway Church, we're not a religious bunch of people. We're a, relation bunch, a relationship bunch of people. We know that Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to bring us into relationship with God as our Father. And that's what we're all about. And when you're in a relationship with him, life is sweet. And that's what we want you to do. We want to help you grow and experience a real, living, daily relationship with the one who made you. I mean, we don't want this to be just another Easter, do we? Come on, we don't need that. We want you to personally, right now, experience Christ. See, the resurrection is not some irrelevant religious event that we pay annual homage to. The resurrection is God defeating death for you. Let me bring it home a little closer. The resurrection is God defeating suicidal thoughts for you. The resurrection is God defeating depression for you. The resurrection is God defeating addiction for you. The resurrection is God defeating sickness and disease for you. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing could be more relevant to your right now, today life than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you'll take off your religious glasses and you'll fix your eyes on the risen Christ and you'll put your trust in him, you'll find that through faith in his resurrection, the real you comes alive. If you'll just fix your eyes on Jesus and put your faith in what he did for you, can we do that? Can we believe that he did what he did for you? That's what changes everything. How can I personally experience Christ today? March 27, 2016. By simply making a choice to believe that everything Jesus did in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection, he did for me. That means you, right? I'm saying me because I'm not you. But if I was you, I'd say me, right? <laughs> he did it for you, Right? And when I really begin to believe that, things change. And you'll find when you put your faith in what Jesus did for you that your destiny begins to unfold. You'll find answers to things that have plagued you for years through the resurrection. Have you ever felt like you've had enough? Like you're overwhelmed, this is too much, I can't do this anymore? I don't even want to take another breath. I don't know if anyone else has felt like that. I've felt like that at various times in my life. Well, there was this video game when I was growing up back in 1980, back in the day, and it was called Defender. Anyone know this game? (laughs) Hey, come 
awesome. And I remember I had a paper route, and man, I'd go collecting, and I'd get all my quarters and dollars, and I'd run over to the arcade. My dad got mad when he found out I was doing it. But I'd put all my, my, my uh, money I collected from the papers into these arcade games. And there weren't a lot out back then, but there's one called Defender. And it's this little, the graphics were amazing. It's this little blimp, <laughs> little line that goes this way and that way on the screen. It's a spaceship, and that's you, and you're the Defender. And you're riding along, and, you, and these enemies come at you, and you've got to zap them as they come. They come from your back and from your front, so you've got to flip back around. And as the game progresses, more of these enemies come. And it gets to a point where the screen is just full of enemies. It's overwhelming. But it has this amazing little feature called a smart bomb. And if you're overwhelmed and you feel like you can't, get, you can't do this, you hit the smart bomb and your enemies are defeated. Jesus was God's smart bomb for you. Right? Yeah, sin totally overwhelms us, right? The curse of sin, the darkness in this world. Satan is the God of this world. And apart from a vibrant relationship with Christ, we're, we're chopped liver, right? We can't do it. We can't overcome the strategies of the enemy. But in Christ, we're more than conquerors. It's faith in Christ that gives us victory over the darkness, that gives us victory over these things. So we're talking about the smart bomb that God set off about 2,000 years ago. Speaking of being overwhelmed, I like to try and think of what Jesus was experiencing during his ministry on earth. And this is Easter weekend, and during his persecution, you want to talk about feeling overwhelmed, about feeling like you can't go on. He knew his time had come, and he was so steeped in grief and sorrow that he prayed three times for God to deliver him from what was about to happen. But he said, God, it, it, nevertheless, your will be done. He knew he had to pay that price for you. We saw, what was it, um, Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments. Anyone watch that last night? Yeah. <laughs> but in movies, they've tried to portray different biblical events. Sometimes they do an okay job and sometimes they don't. But uh, there was a movie that came out a while ago called The Passion. Uh, Mel Gibson directed it. And in that movie, you get a little bit of taste of what a bad day would be like, right? For, for, for. So anytime I'm having a challenge in my life, I, just, I, I, put my, I try to remember what Jesus did for me. And imagine not only the, the betrayal that he went through during his ministry, the ridicule, people turning their back on his own family, calling him crazy, but then the false accusations, the arrest, the, the, the pummeling, the beating, the striking with fists, plucking out of his beard, the scourging, and then the crucifixion. And then, that wasn't the worst of it, then his spirit left his body and descended into hell, and he endured the full wrath and judgment of God. But on the third day, smart bomb, the Holy Spirit broke forth into hell and raised Christ up. And Jesus broke forth from the grave so that you could break forth from anything that would bind you today. So the title of our message is Break Forth. Can we put that up there, guys? Break Forth. And we're going to look at Jesus. Breaking forth is a quality and characteristic of God. 
You're going to see that today. He's the God that bursts forward. He's the one that rips the ribbon on the finish line. He's the victorious one. And we're going to see this in the Word. We're going to start by going to a scripture way back in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles 14, verse 11. And this is in the life of David, and the enemy has come against David. He was playing defender, and the screen was full with Philistines. And he sought God, and he said, God, should I go out against them? And God said, yes, I'll give you the victory. And in verse 11, David smote them there, and David said, so David defeats his enemies. They've come against them. God gives them the victory. And I want you to notice what David says after he's seen God defeat his enemies. He said, God hath broken in upon mine enemies by mine hand like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore, they called the name of that place Baal Perazim. Let's look at the message translation of this. I like this. God exploded my enemies as water explodes from a burst pipe. That's how the place got the name Baal Perazim, which literally can be translated God explosion. The name literally means the God of the breakthrough. The God of the breakthrough, the master of breaking through. He's the one who will break you out of the depression or situation that you're in. He's the Lord who breaks out. It means the Lord of breaking through, the Lord who bursts through and bursts out. Do you know this describes the resurrection of Jesus? You'll find that Jesus is in every single book of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. I want to look at one more scripture before we go into the New Testament, and it's a description, it's a prophetic scripture describing the resurrection of Jesus, what God would accomplish through the Messiah, and it's found in Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 19, says, So they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. That's the Spirit of God. Now, I want to just take a moment here and make note of this. Who will come like a rushing stream? Who's it talking about here? It's Jesus. You're going to see this, right? I'm going to make note of that because this verse is often mistaught. It's talking about Jesus through his resurrection, coming, breaking forth like a rushing stream, which the Spirit of the Lord raises up. Verse 20, And a Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression, and Jacob declares the Lord. Now let's look at the amplified version of that, verse 19. But as the result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I've heard people attribute like a flood to the enemy. That's not at all what the Scripture says. It's talking about what God would do by his Spirit in raising up his son. All right? When the enemy comes, like a flood, smart bomb, the Holy Spirit 
moves in our lives. He lifts up a standard against him. That standard is faith in Jesus Christ. We'll lift up a standard against him and put him to flight, for he will come like a rushing stream. Who's that? Jesus, he will come like a rushing stream, a pent-up flood which the breath of the Lord drives. He shall come as a redeemer in Zion. That's Jesus. We know at Highway Church that Jesus came to fulfill two roles. Number one, he came as our substitute and he came as our example. He was our example during those three-plus years of his ministry. He demonstrated to us how to walk on earth as human beings. He came as a man. He was God, of course, but he came to earth, born through the womb of a virgin, wrapped in flesh, as a a man walking in a relationship with God and taking authority over darkness. But he was our substitute in his persecution on the cross and in the grave. So we're going to take a look at this right now. If you've ever felt overwhelmed, we're going to read a description the Bible gives us of Jesus' time on the cross, and we're going to see it's a prophetic fulfillment way back from the Old Testament. But if you've ever felt like, I can't go on anymore, I want you to know Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He can relate to every pain you've ever felt, and he wants to change things in your life. It's not his will for you to suffer and to go through the, and be oppressed by darkness. It's his will for you to rise up, to be born by his spirit, to be made new, and to walk in a relationship with him. So let's look at this vivid description in the scriptures of what Jesus was going through. And it's found in Matthew 27. And we're going to start in verse 26. So he's already been betrayed. He's already been, been punched in the face uh, been, been ridiculed, and he's, he's standing before the crowd with Barabbas on one side and Pilate's in the center, and, and they decide to release Barabbas in verse 26. And when he had scourged Jesus, means tortured, beaten, tortured Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified, verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him, humiliation. Has anyone ever humiliated you, said things about you they shouldn't have said, exposed something in your life that shouldn't have been exposed? Jesus understands. And they put on him a scarlet robe, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear the cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, a place of death, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with, um, excuse me, mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. 
and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save yourself if you be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross. They will believe him. No, they wouldn't. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I'm the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, that's 12 p.m., there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. How many hours is that? Three hours. He rose on the third day, didn't he? Darkness over the land for three hours. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What? What was Jesus talking about? Why did he say this? I'll tell you why. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ on the cross, whether you believe it or not, the Scriptures teach Jesus was made sin. And he is identifying with that. And this is the attitude of sin. God, you blew it. You, you failed. Why'd you fail me? Why'd you do that? Sin accuses God. That's the attitude of sin. Isn't that what Adam said? Right? He said, God, the woman you gave me, Right, did this. He blamed it on God and blamed it on his wife. See, but, but when you realize how much God loves you, you realize he's never done anything wrong to anybody. He's pure love. He's faithful. He's just. He's righteous. He's true. He's gracious and compassionate. So Jesus becomes sin on the cross, and he's separated from his Father. Why have you forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard, they said, he's calling Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be. Let's see whether Elijah will come and save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. That means he gave his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earthquake and the rocks split. What is the significance of the veil in the temple? If you'll study the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, there was uh, the most holy place where the high priest would enter, but it was separated by a veil. And from what I've read, this veil was woven so strongly that a team of oxen couldn't pull it apart. But it separated the presence of God from the people. And no one could come into that veil, only one person but once a year, and that was the high priest. What is the significance of the, that veil ripping in two from heaven to earth? 
it symbolized that because of what Jesus had done on the cross, there was no longer anything separating us, keeping us from coming into the presence of God anymore. So through faith in Christ, I come immediately into God's presence. If you've put your faith in Christ, if you've trusted in Him, that means God is with you 24-7, anytime, day or night. You can talk to Him about anything and everything. There's nothing between you and Him anymore. Hallelujah. And the graves were opened. How cool is this? And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the grave after his resurrection. Pop rocks, you got it. And went into this holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. This was Jesus, our substitute. He didn't do this for him. He did it for you. He did it for you. And Jesus, as our substitute, was the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, this is going to be amazing. We're going to go back and look at a description of what we just read that was written about 1,500 years before this happened. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. The Bible's prophetic. The Psalms, many of the Psalms of David are prophetic. And this is a Psalm of David. David was a type of Christ. We're going to see that in a minute. David was someone that learned to totally rely on God as a boy. God says of David, he was a man after my heart. And David prophetically penned these words in Psalm 21. Look at the first verse. This is 1,500 years before the crucifixion. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my marring? You ever felt like that? Don't give in to those feelings. It's not true. God's not far from you. He's as close as your heart if you'll just believe. Jesus came and said the kingdom of God is within you. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted in you, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despise of the people. Isaiah declares that Jesus was marred more than any man in his scourging. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Look at this. But thou art he that took me out of the womb, born in the womb of a virgin, right? This is prophetic. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Can you see Jesus on the cross? Can you see the spirits of darkness waiting to to just lay into him? 
Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart's like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Keep in mind, this is 1,500 years before it happened. What a book. Hallelujah. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. So we see Jesus here at the beginning who's become sin, and he's just letting it out. He feels forsaken. He feels like God has let him down. But he starts to make a shift now, and he begins to remember who God is, and he begins to trust in him. And this is going to lead us to his resurrection in Psalm 23. Let's keep reading. Hallelujah. Deliver my soul from the sword, verse 20. My darling, from the power of the dog, save me from the lion's mouth. And from the horns of the wild oxen, you have answered me. I will declare. You see the shift taking place? When you take your eyes off of what you're going through and you fix them on who God is and how much he loves you and what he's done for you, it changes the situation. It will take you from death into resurrection. Hallelujah. I will declare your name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation while I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. Nothing's changed. He's still on the cross. What is he doing? He's looking forward, knowing God's going to deliver him. Hallelujah. Boy, God will give you a hope and a confidence for your future, regardless of what you're going through, if you'll take your eyes off of what you're facing and put them on him and trust in his delivering power. And the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he's the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon shall eat, excuse me, all they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness, look at this, unto a people that shall be born. That's you and me. For the joy, right joy? For the joy of the cross, for the joy to set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. He took his eyes off of what he was currently facing, and he thought of you walking in relationship with the one who made him. And it gave him strength to do what he had to do. This is the end of Psalm 22. He's in a different place now in his heart. He started out in despair. He began to shift his focus from what he was feeling and going through and put it on a faithfulness of his father. Now Psalm 23, another prophetic psalm of David, takes us into and after the resurrection. And now Jesus declares after his resurrection, the Lord 
is my shepherd. That's a lot different than why have you forsaken me, right? He's a different man now. He became sin for three days, but on the third day, he was raised up. And the first thing out of his mouth, the Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear zero danger. If you will practice meditating on God's promises to you, it will completely, they will completely remove fear from your life. In the midst of this bizarre world we're living in, you can live a life free from fear by simply fixing your eyes on who God is, what he's done for you, and who you've become through faith in Jesus Christ. Though I live in this world, I will fear no evil, no danger. For thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. I find my comfort in who you are, not in how people treat me. It's a whole different way of living now. How people treat me really doesn't matter so much anymore. What I've been through really doesn't matter so much anymore because I found my healing. I found the renewal of my life in what he did for me, right? So it's a whole different shift in our focus now. Can you make that shift today? A shift from what's happened to you? A shift from maybe what's going on right now into who he is and how much he loves you and what he's done for you? And, you know, just living and walking with the Lord over the years since 1989, there are times in my life be going through different things, and, boy, I'd be so happy because my focus is on him, and people don't understand that. They're like, what's wrong with you? Are you denying your problems? Are you denying the thing? No, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're not there, but I'm acknowledging that the God who raised me up and made me new is greater than anything I've ever faced, regardless of what's happened to me. And this is who we are. We have this upward vision. We have this heavenly focus. It's on God's amazing love for us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And any time a bull of Bashan, a spirit of darkness, tries to introduce a new focus into our vision, we don't let him. See, the devil wants to magnify what's happened in your life. He wants to magnify the dark things that have been done to you, the dark things that have been said about you. Don't let him do it. Put your focus on Jesus. I will fear no danger, for you are with me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This makes no sense. Your enemies are coming against you, and you're sitting at the table having tacos. Right, man? Yeah, that's what we can do because we've got peace. In the midst of a battle, we're having a meal because God is fighting for us. Don't try and live life in your own strength. Don't try and get through another day starting today in your own strength. Let God be the strength 
of your life. Let God give you the wisdom that you need to make the decisions that you need to make. Let God shine his light on your path so that you can go forward and sit at his table in the midst of it all. You anoint my head with oil. That's the Holy Spirit. My cup, my provision overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. What a statement of faith that is. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. What do you think? Can you believe that? Can you make that confession of faith over your life? I recommend you do. Begin to declare it no matter what it looks like. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. These are the things that are going to win in my life. These are the constants in my life because of what Jesus did. Goodness, faithful love, wisdom, strength, provision because of what he did. These are the constants. And I will dwell. In the house of the Lord as long as I live. I will walk with God for the rest of my life. He will be my shelter, my fortress. He's my house now. And nothing's going to change that. Hallelujah. I love it. So let's go back to the very first scripture we read. First Chronicles 14. We're almost done. First Chronicles 14. Back to David now. Boy, I like this, this, this guy, David. When he was a boy, he had a responsibility. He didn't have a paper route like I did, but he was a shepherd boy. He had to, had to make sure that the sheep were safe. Sheep represent dollars. Hello? Right? The sheep for the wool that they produce and for the meals that they can provide. And he was responsible to ensure that nothing would happen to them as a boy. And, and he cultivated this relationship with God. As a very, very young man, as a boy, he learned to completely rely on God. And there were times in his job, on his daily responsibilities, when danger would approach him, a lion or a bear. But he did not fear. Instead, he went straight forward and he killed the lion and the bear. How did he have such confidence? Because he knew the one who made him. He knew that God was his father. He knew that God loved him and that God was for him and that no matter what could come against him, God would give him the victory. And here he is now, and you know what happened to David, right? As a teenager, he became the hero of his nation. All of the trained soldiers, the adult men of Israel were paralyzed in fear for days because of their enemy. And here comes this little shepherd boy who's cultivated this intimate relationship with God on his paper route. I had a Great Dane come at me one time. You guys know what Great Danes are? It's a giant breed dog. First day on my paper route, you know, and I'm actually, I might have been the first week. I was collecting, so I had to go up to the house, and his house was on his little hill, and I had to go up the driveway. It was only like maybe 30 yards to the screen door. It was summertime, and the screen door was open, the door behind it was open. I come up to the door, and I ring the doorbell, and I can see straight through the back of the house, they have these sliding back doors, the sun's shining through, and all of a sudden, I just feel this rumble, <laughs> and this big shadow just rises up, and starts charging the door, and it's like at my height, you know. 
I don't know what it is. It's like some kind of crocodile or something. But it, it just runs the door. I jump back off the porch, and it's this massive Great Dane. Thankfully, didn't jump through the door. But uh, I got to see him later. The owner came out and was pulling on, you know, and, and his head was like the size of a mailbox. Um, amazing. What in the world were we talking about? Anyway. What? David and Goliath, yeah. So <laughs> I didn't know Jesus back then, but uh, if I did, I wouldn't have been afraid. <laughs> uh, Yes, yeah, so, so he charged right at Goliath, right? He charged at the dangers that came against him. He knew that he was more than a conqueror. And here he is now as an adult man. He's been through a lot. A lot has happened in his life. He's been betrayed. He's been through a lot of battles. And, and the enemy comes against him, and he seeks the Lord. He still remembers that, to seek the Lord first. When I've got challenges in my life, I don't just do what I want to do. I don't look to man first. I go to God immediately. And I get wisdom from him as to what I need to do to go forward in this situation. Only God can give you that wisdom. So you've got to get alone with him. You've got to spend time alone with him. Don't rely on yourself. If I go through life without spending time alone with him, what am I really saying? I'm, I'm living life in my own strength. I really don't think I need that, right? I can, you know, I basically figure things out, and unless I get really bad, and then maybe I'll go then, you know? No, we need him every day. I need to hear his voice in my life daily. I need his wisdom to make breakfast. I'm serious. I need to let the Holy Spirit lead me in the details of my life. It's that kind of intimate relationship, and boy, will he lead you. Boy, will he give you instruction in the little things. Hallelujah. So David learned this, and, David, and God says, go forward, I will deliver you. He goes forward, he smotes and defeats the enemy, and that's when he makes this declaration, God hath broken in upon mine enemies by mine hand like the breaking forth of waters, and he calls that place the God of the breakthrough. And anytime you have things, someone giving a name to God that describes his character, he's God of the breakthrough. And I want you to know that in your own life, and like Isaiah declared, like a rushing stream, like a pent-up flood, a redeemer has come from Zion, and his name is Jesus. All right, let's bring this thing to a close. Under 17, you haven't forgot about the game yet, have you? No. You're going to love this prize. It's really a good prize. Maybe I'll play it because I wouldn't mind having the prize myself. All right, so three more scriptures. Psalm 68. So David, we see this reliance on God. We see this prophetic declaration that God is going to break forth in the earth through his son, Jesus Christ. The Messiah is going to defeat death like a rushing stream. And there are three places I want to look real quickly that give us another description of Jesus being that rushing stream of what he accomplished through his resurrection. The first one's in Psalm 68, verse 18. It's an Old Testament, then we've got two New Testament. It says, thou hast ascended on high. Keep in mind now, this is about 1,500 years before Jesus did this. Thou hast ascended on high, another prophetic psalm of David. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord might dwell among them. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Selah. The, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. 
Wow. What is he doing? This is a prophetic declaration of Jesus rising from the dead. Because of what God did through Jesus, we have been given exceeding benefits. They're found in Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5. We don't have time to go there. You can go there on your own. But here we have in Ephesians 4 a declaration of the same thing we just read in Psalm 68. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Jesus descended into hell. He was separated from his Father. He died so that you could live. Last scripture, Colossians chapter 2, one of my favorite descriptions of the breaking forth of Jesus, of what he did for you. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins, And in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Who's the one who reminds you of your sins? Satan does, not God. He's forgiven us of all our sins. Satan's the one who will try and remind you of what you've done. He's the accuser, not God. It's good to recognize the difference between Satan's voice and your heavenly Father's voice. Hallelujah. Forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I love it. He did it, but he did it for you. Don't let today be like any other day. Make a decision that I'm no longer going to live in my own strength. I'm going to put my faith in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And from this day forward, God, you are going to be the strength and wisdom of my life. Jesus said, I think it's in John 7, 38, that uh, he who believes on me, as the Scripture said, from his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time together this morning. We've come into your presence with praise and thanksgiving and worship. And we've worshiped you, Lord God, and and just reveled in your word. And thank you so much, God, for everything you've done. Lord, you have been telling for, for thousands of years about your son coming. Lord, you declared it way back in the garden. You declared he'd be coming. And Lord, he's come. It's behind us now. He's risen. You defeated death for us. You broke forth in hell. And you raised him up so that we could break forth today from anything that would ever bind us. And we thank you. And Lord, I ask you right now, by your spirit, to move among us now. That anyone here who needs to break forth would find the strength to do it today in you. That they would let the dam of fear burst, that they would let the dam of anxiety burst by your spirit, the dam of worry and depression and oppression, 
burst this morning by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Let today be the day that we go forward with full reliance on you. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.